Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We're the Three Rivers Boys. My name is Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. And we're here today to talk about the penultimate episode of the first season of Amazon's Wheel of Time. That is uh, episode seven, The Dark in the Ways. The Dark Along the Ways. I'll get these titles right one of these days. <laughs> yeah, this is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite episode. I think it's mine too. It's at least tied with four for first. It's a very good episode. Um, I definitely Lots of changes. This, you know what? And this is like definitely my favorite, actually. Yeah, this is my favorite, too. Oh, I it's love intense. It, I mean... Steve, did you notice that it looked better, that it was more populated? Like, Zach said that this is after the COVID break, and I thought I noticed, like, a, a markable difference in how many people there were in the background and stuff. No, I thought it was pretty similar. Actually, I was going to mention that most of the people on camera are important characters throughout. There's almost no character wasted on screen. Oh, you weren't paying attention at all then? There's like carpenters and stuff. And... There's a bunch of people in the market scene. You yeah. think when Lan was going to see his, uh, I don't know, adopted father, whatever you want to call him, that it was like populated? No, that was at night. But earlier in the day, there's a bunch of people. There's like workers and... Uh, People selling stuff, people buying stuff. People I got that in Tarpolon. There's a lot more, I think. And I thought this might have even been like a real place. I'm not even sure if this was a set. I'm pretty sure it is. There's I mean, the like original thing of... was a 3D render. Yeah, right? yeah. The, city. the yeah. big overall view. I Still a cool though. I think this whole episode really cool. was like a step up in caliber from... The rest of the season so far, like I think this really hit the like solid eight and a half, maybe nine out of ten on my grading scale. Yeah, this was a notch higher for sure. This this one it seemed to bump up from like a pretty good show to a great show. Definitely. And you guys were talking about uh, a different show before this and how like it was darker, so you thought it looked better. I thought that this episode was well lit compared to the other ones even though it is kind of a brighter show i think this one had yeah. a lot a lot more time put into that kind of stuff i agree zach, zach is saying again like because of the covid restrictions being lifted that they just have more set dressers there's more lighting people there's more extras hmm. Good. yeah i think they were just able to like get more done per episode like once they were back from the super quarantine era of covid all right, well, you want to break into this cold opening? Yeah, okay. So let's get into specifics here. If you haven't seen the episode, this is where we're going to get in to show spoilers. We won't do any book spoilers. We'll save those for the end. We'll give another warning when it's time to talk about book spoilers. Oh, my God, I love this so much. <laughs> yeah, this was really exciting to get this uh, cold open as book readers. We all kind of saw these little clips and snippets in the trailer and knew like exactly what this was going to be. So to finally get to this part of the show was pretty awesome to see it. We got Aiel. It's the blood snow. She's pregnant. She's got a <laughs> veil on. We're killing people. Uh, so I watched this uh, right before we, we are recording this episode and I timed how long the fight was. We got a three and a half minute fight. 
Wow, to open that's the pretty show. long. It was that's a really a long, long flight. Yeah, I yeah, like, which also just shows how fucking badass she is. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Zach off camera here that I could have gone with a little less. Actually, that I think they were a little over the top with the fight. Um, on my second watch, I enjoyed the choreography a lot more, but I still think a little much. I think killing maybe two guys or three would have been enough. Well, Jake, she did die, you know. That yeah, I true. know. She didn't make it out of there. Um, she doesn't like vaulted fire rocks. I could tell when she saw in the sky that she panicked <laughs> a little. She was like, please don't let that land on me. Oh, oh, did you guys... This is on the side of the mountain, right? Or um, yeah. Uh, let's just get into like an overview of what we're looking at here. I have some notes laid out for people who aren't familiar with the books. Cool. So this is a major battle taking place in the Aiel War. It's called the Blood Snow. This is a battle that takes place between the Aiel and most of the other kingdoms of the continent that this story takes place on. Kind of like band together to fight the Aiel. It's actually uh, like half the IU. True. Right? Yeah, it's not all of them. Not even all of them. So, uh, it's, there's this big bloody war. I'm sure we'll get into the specifics. I don't want to spoil too much about it. But uh, the last battle takes place on the slopes of Dragon Mount within view of Tarvalin here, as we see. And this character that we're seeing is an Aiel woman, which is, uh, she's a member of a military society within the IEL called the Maidens of the Spear. And they're like badass warrior women, basically. Which that's, that's what uh, is won. demonstrated clearly. <laughs> yeah, they're one of the most elite fighting forces in the world. Pretty easily to claim that. Uh, if, you, if you use the... Uh, the X-ray feature, you can see this character's name is Tigrain Mantiar, which is another big name for book readers, uh, show watchers. I'm sure we'll find out what that name means pretty quickly in the next season two, probably. Yeah. And so she's running and is scared of the rocks. And we see that it's on this specific mountain and we get a shot that she's pregnant. She's like, definitely holding her belly and like very oh pregnant yeah oh boy i'm i'm exploding here she's ready to pop uh she gets some good fighting in and i don't know if you guys noticed this the guys that were up on the hill that like she sees coming down at her it seriously sounds like they go ooga booga, ooga booga. <laughs> oh yeah it's so funny please go back like i i had uh, my studio monitors, my headphones on, and th- this scene sounds amazing, like better than anything else in the episode. The sound design is wonderful. Um, but when those two guys are up on the thing that are like pointing at her, like, oh, look at her. They're like, ooga booga. It's what it sounds <laughs> like. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, these guys are uh, soldiers of the nation of Ilion that she's fighting. We can tell that by the nine bees on their armor. That's the symbol of Ilion. The sigil. Uh, yeah, she, she basically wrecks these guys and then kind of collapses and gets, uh, cornered by one guy at the end there with the katana with a familiar looking heron. On yeah. We've definitely seen this sword there. before. I mean, we, we can say, you know, this is Tam. Yeah. Uh, this is Rand's dad or 
I guess we find out not really Rand's dad. This is the guy who finds Rand's mom giving birth on Dragon Mount. Yes. It's his uh, wet father. Yeah. Wetland father. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, did you see the cool, like, behind the scenes thing of how they filmed this fight scene with the, uh, they have, like, this big camera on, like, a rotating robot arm that just, like, swings around and zooms in and out and, like, goes around these guys as they're fighting and they have to, like, do the choreography around where the camera arm is moving so they, like, don't get knocked out by it. It was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, it makes, like, big repeatable motions really fast. So that shot where it, like, pulls out in between the two guys from a close-up on her face, that's, like, this big robot arm. It's a jib pulling out it looks like uh you know what it looks like is the machine that like paints cars like in a car i was thinking it reminded me of that uh basketball throwing robot at the carnegie science center but with like a camera attached to it yeah that's exactly what it is who's the rapper that dr dre produced most recently eminem (laughs) snoop dogg I have no idea. The one that sings uh, fill a swimming pool with liquor and you dive in. Oh, Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar. If you watch his one music video, he has the same camera in his music video and it pans all around him and stuff like that. If you wanted to see another example of that equipment, it's in that video. Oh, cool. I do like Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yes. He's very good. All right. So, yeah, that's the cold open. And I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. Uh, yeah, uh, one one thing to say is I thought her acting was amazing. Uh, I've never personally been there for a baby being born, but it seemed like a great performance of somebody who's going through the pains of birth, but also like having to do this badass shit and get stabbed. I don't know. It was so intense. It just made me feel intense. I feel like we might see this actress again. There's like a, that we could see another flashback, probably. They could also not do that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, then we get the credits, and we open up back in uh, the ways where we left off last week. The portal has just closed, leaving our lovable scoundrel, Matt, on the other side, and the rest of the gang in the ways. Yeah, so no time has passed in between the end of the previous episode and this scene. Uh, they're just screaming, Matt, 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 like that's going to like do anything. <laughs> I could have done without that. They should have just like moved on without drawing favor- like attention yeah, back to the fact of how corny that end of the last episode yeah. was. Well, Definitely I think, didn't need to see that again. Yeah, it's just what I said, though, about like the time. They just want you to know that like none time has passed, even yeah. though it doesn't really matter. I don't yeah. know. Um, I did think the ways looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the door shut and it gets dark and we like light some torches and we get a good look at the creepy environment we're in with these like pillars of, uh, what do you would call like fractal rock, I guess. Yeah. So we learned later in the episode that it's used to be green pastures and, and green uh, grass like all over these sidewalks or whatever the fuck they are, but now it's a bottomless pit. So. Yeah. I think these are based they, on basalt formations here, and Loyal tells them the that 
there's no going back. They got a, the only way to go is forward. They can't reopen the gate once it's shut. And they also bring up this creepy story about a uh, Machin Shin who will come and eat your soul if you channel within the ways. So don't channel. Loyal's great here, huh? Yeah, I was like totally expecting this to happen as soon as they like didn't say anything about the ways. I was like, they'll just have Loyal give like a huge expedition dump as they're walking along the ways next episode. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like oh. his character. So it doesn't really feel like a drag when he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it happens a lot within the series. I was going to ask how you guys feel about that. Um, sometimes, man, if you're not a book reader, you better watch these things twice. <laughs> yeah. One of the guys I work with is watching this and he was like, so the big thing is like retarded. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's super smart. And he was like, why does it talk like that? And I'm like, they just, they're just not hasty, okay? Like, they talk slow. He was like, what are you, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> it, so well, I, I mean, I, there are different species. They just take their time and explain everything to death. Yeah, I they, like it. Oh, yeah, it's dope. I mean, we know what loyal is. Right. And I love Ogier in the book for like one of my favorite fantasy character. What do you call that species? Creatures, species. Yeah. yeah. Species. Um, so he says, what is Manchin Chin? I need like, what's that? And he's like, oh, I don't got time to tell you. I got to move on. Marines running away. <laughs> I like this bit where he's like, now if you wander one wrong step, you'll fall into a bottomless pit forever. And then he's like, <laughs> what's worse than that? He's like, oh, oh, I, I could at least. I can think of one of things at least. Yeah, we get it. Uh, so he's like, shut up, please. Stop it. Yeah, this is a note I had for this episode. Is I think that Rand has the most lines of any episode during this episode. Yeah, absolutely. He has talked in every single like scene where he's on camera. Yeah. Um, oh, so we didn't talk about this. When they when they started in the ways, they have an argument. And this is a foreshadowing for the argument they have later. And Perrin is a voice of reason for him. Like, we can't stay here. Do you want to lie down and die? And then they move on. Um, I think Perrin maybe, like, actually considers that an option. Like, with the way of the leaf. <laughs> yeah. True. He is pitching that later. But they, they're all like, we should get Matt. And then Egwene's like, no, idiot. He Man, left us. Super butthurt. So yeah, they're uh, they're moving through the ways, making some progress. Uh, and we get Moraine and Land have some conversation. Yeah, she says the dagger's hurting him. It, I don't. How did you guys feel about this? Because Land is definitely looking back. And after we watched the episode, is he asking about Rand? I think he's worried about Matt because he asked about Matt later on too. Like everybody does, it's kind of like a good question. They're like, "What if it is Matt?" Mm -hmm. And I think Moraine's response of like why they don't go back for him like is actually pretty good. It was a little bit clumsy, like how they did get separated, but like the reason that she gave that she can't go back, I thought was pretty justified. Like if he's got that darkness in him, that's going to make him like turn back and look for that dagger. Then we don't want him anywhere near the eye of the world in the dark one. Cause then he might like turn to the shadow. Mm -hmm. 
I agree with Zach. I thought that buttoned that up pretty nicely. It's just that Land asked the same question twice, I think. He says, but what if it's him? <laughs> but what if it's him? I, I, I don't remember it like that. He's like in her ear. What if it's him? She's like, him. Sh- shut up. It's not, <laughs> the dagger's gone. Where um, is it? So. They, they notice something's following them. They can hear like sounds behind them. So they're, well, they're a little weird out. Yeah. But this is where Loyal describes how you could fall into a bottomless pit. The stuff is covered with grass. He says, what's worse? All I can think is some things. And Lan starts flirting with Nynaeve. He says he gambled that she was going to pout or something. Yeah. And as they're walking, uh, Perrin spots a guidepost up ahead that he sees like way before anybody else. Yeah, he's all the way in the back of the group and he sees it before everybody. They're it's like, crazy he's able to see that with brown eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I think this is a big hint that something is going on with Perrin. Uh, wolves see well in the dark. I guess we'll leave it at that. I want to go back to. I really like the flirting scene with Lan and Nynaeve too. I, yeah, I, they're really. This is a really good moment for people, or a really good episode. I mean, for people who enjoy the Lan Nynaeve romance. Yeah. Let's get it on. <laughs> the way uh, he turns so funny and later in the episode, he's like, let me present myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump ahead. Damn, All right. So man. they walk up to the guiding and it's all chopped and bloodied. That's not good. Yeah. So it seems like someone or something has just kind of like fucked up this waystone beyond recognition so they can confuse whoever's using the ways and doesn't know where they're going. So I think they're just trying to make it like so other people can't use the ways easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is where we hear uh, Land say, what would have done that? Somebody is following us. It's Trollocs. And Lil says, I can probably figure out which way we need to go, but it's going to take some time. And we get a sick burn from Rand where he's like, if Loyal's asking for patience, then we're all dead. <laughs> yeah. See, he's a mouthy, he's a mouthy boy this episode. And this almost bugs me because Rand has been like a nothing person for this entire show. And like, now we're like, Oh, we love Rand because you know, we love Rand, but I feel like they I really think lost you can say that of... he's been a nothing person. It's because it's not just voting. Matt. I think huh? like he's with his crew now. You know what I mean? So he's confident. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they sacrificed a lot of character building to keep the mystery. I agree. Yeah. I, know the flashback I don't know if it was worth it. I don't know if that reveal was like as cool as it would have been. Well, let's, just... let's talk about that when we get to it. For sure. Um, so this is where they go to lay down. There's just time to lay down. It's like, you don't know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, that's like kind of what happens when you're like spelunking from what I understand or any place where you can't see the sun. You just like stop and rest when you get a chance, I guess, or if you feel like it. Yeah. I'm not really sure how much total time that they like stop and rest here. I guess it, it implies like a few hours. It seems like they had time to like sleep for a while at least. 
Yeah, yeah one is like an overnight camp. That one this sleeping was. schedule. I don't even know if it's more than like two or three hours that you can really say because it seems like Leanne is the only one who keeps watch. So true. We do see a scene where Egwene and Rand like cuddle, and in the background, Perrin like he goes like this with his he like thumbs his nose like ah. like they're, they're they're building such a weird tension there. I don't know. Well, I think it ended like that. Like they're not like really building it anymore. Like this is the last episode. It's going to happen. I think with Perrin. Yeah, I agree. But it's just like I don't know. To me, it's a little strange. Like, what the fuck is he pissed about? Yeah, he I thought that was for Wayne. I mean, is that what that my means? Least favorite part yeah. of to me, episode. I don't think that's what that means. I think he misses having his significant other. Yeah, maybe that too. And then a lone Trolloc approaches. Yeah, so uh, Egwene actually wakes up like in the middle of the night, like while everybody's still sleeping, except for Lan, who's just like standing in the dark like a Terminator. Yeah. And uh, she hears this creepy whistling, which is, it should be a familiar whistling if you've been paying attention to this show at all. <laughs> <laughs> Or the recap of the episode. Yeah, you've you've heard this somewhere before. Who is this whistling man? We'll see later that it is indeed Pod and Fan. So as they're like checking out the whistling, they're trying to figure out like where it's coming from. We get a jump scare with a trollic that jumps out and tries to grab Egwene, but her uh, BF Rand protects her. And channels that mean old Trolloc out into the uh, unending abyss. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about this? This played pretty well for me. I definitely thought it was a Gwen when it happened. Me too. They, they just and like didn't like, show it completely zoomed out. Like you can tell, you can see that he's like doing it if you know what to look for. But yeah, it's like, just not like where you're paying attention when you watch it the first time. Uh, but I on the know, second I... time, you can tell it's him. Oh, really? I rewound it about five times, and I don't think that it's possible to tell. You can see it come from behind her. It's, like, really obviously not. And you see Rand's arm, like, moving like he's throwing something at the Trolloc. It just doesn't, like, show his hands. Yeah. I'll have to watch it again. I disagree, but... It comes from, like, behind her. You know, it's... So? So it's not her doing it. That's how it works. Yeah, it is how it works. Always comes out of your ass. Um, so, what? They just run, right? Yeah, they're basically like... Uh, they run from one troll. Oh, no, it's because of Machin Shin. Yeah, they know yeah. Machin Shin is coming, so they're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, they don't think we're going to make it to the Eye of the Worldway gate, so they change directions and head towards the Faldaraway gate. Parents like, did it just get cold in here? <laughs> And then we, uh, we yeah, I hear somebody get... whispering my deepest fears. Yeah. <laughs> and we get confirmation that Pod on Fane is following them with a flash of lightning. Yeah. And he seems to like not really be concerned about Machin Shin, the black wind here. So I think we get a little bit more, uh, exposition about Machin Shin here. Loyal and Moraine kind of tag team it almost, if I remember right, where they're like, Oh, it's this crazy wind. It's going to try to talk to you. Don't listen to what it says. Just like 
keep moving. Yeah, old tongue for black wind. It's going to try to eat your soul. Yeah, not good. It's funny because it's a dick. It's just a dick. <laughs> it's like the biggest dick you've ever met, and it whispers you're like, it's like, fuck you, you failure. And wants to make you suicidal, I guess. Your mom thinks you're ugly. <laughs> yeah. So it's about Egwene leaving Rand. Layla's dead out of the way. You love another woman. Land will never be able to save someone. You're going to let her die. Nynaeve can't save her friends. You lost Matt. And then she just tanks out, right, bro? Like high DPS and being a tank right here. Yeah, did you yeah. get everybody? We talked about Moraine, Egwene, Rand, Perrin, Land, and Nynaeve. I think uh, for yeah, I think so. well, Rand's is that yeah. Egwene doesn't really love him, and then we see later that it also says something else to him. Yep, <laughs> yep. Which I You're thought the was Dragon Reborn Harry. Too, but I like that part. Yeah, I, I, I just don't like flashbacks too. to a scene that we already watched. Um, yeah, we don't mm, see true. Loyal's fears. You're right, trade. and I the first time I watched it, I was pissed about that. He's also done some pretty funny posts about what Loyal would have heard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you got to send me those. Daniel I did, Green did one. He was like, nobody's ever going to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did what well, on the rewatch. I did notice that uh, Loyal was standing in the background looking like a doofus. Yeah. He's just like clutching his pearls back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. This is upsetting. Uh, this was a very moving scene for me the first time I watched it. Like I was, I was like, God damn. Yeah. We get another scene of Nynaeve just like, I think what happened here was Mach and Chin's strategy kind of just like backfired on it. Where like, if you tell Nynaeve that she's going to fail at protecting people, she's just going to get real mad. And that's when she can like channel better than anybody else is when she's pissed as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we get another Super Saiyan moment and she like blasts this big shield like protecting everybody and buying time for Moraine to open the gate. And I saw some people on Reddit saying that Moraine is overwhelmed here and I didn't really get that vibe. She looked pretty calm still to me. Uh, yeah, she, she was like, me. I think she was working hard to get the door open fast, but like that was all I got from it. It was that she was like exerting herself. If you watch it again, look at her eyes. They're basically sunken into the back of her head. Yeah, she definitely doesn't look like she's having fun. Well, nobody is because they're being like emotionally tortured by right. the demonic wind. <laughs> I think yeah, that Moraine would have failed without Nynaeve. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, or at least like maybe only Moraine would have got out. Like everybody else probably would have went crazy. I think Moraine would have died too. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it was real bad. Uh, and it was awesome when Land grabbed Nynaeve. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going anywhere without you, sugar boo. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so they pop out on the other side of this gate. I, I thought the, like, the, the contrast between the bright sunshine out in Faldara and like the darkness of the ways was pretty cool. Uh, everybody is like fucking shook from their confrontation with Machin Shin. Yeah, so everybody's like uh, the darkness of the ways and the like bright sunshine of the Faldoran 
like landscape is a pretty good contrast. I thought it was cool how they just like broke out and all of a sudden everybody's like blinking in the sunshine. And she yeah, looks the, awful. Man, everybody looks just wrecked. Yeah, they look like they've really been through the ringer here. Perrin had such a rough time in there that his eyes aren't uh, golden at all. They're, they're <laughs> brown. Uh, Steve, that did really you notice that you. Perrin's eyes haven't been golden yet this episode? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking dumb. All right. I mean, that's only dumb because you're expecting something from the books, but I mean, if, if his eyes were golden up until be, like that moment, up until last episode, they've just been like turning gold when he does wolf shit, really. Uh, only when he hulks. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so the next location we get is Faldara, which is a fortress city along the Blight. It's kind of like, uh, the Maginot line where armies of Trollocs are always trying to break through these borderlands and invade the the lands of men, but these the, the borderlanders hold the line and keep the forces of the Dark One at bay. So yeah. this is in the kingdom of Shinar, which is one of the border kingdoms. Uh it protects this gap in the mountains called Tarwin's Gap. That's why this fortress and wall is here. This is a place where armies of the Dark One frequently try to break through because there's this natural gap in the mountains where they don't have to like scale peaks or anything. And I so love how this I love how this looks. You can see how defensible this would be. The the gap itself, you can see how like some stuff like the Spartans and the three hundred could go down where few men could hold this gap against hordes and hordes of Trollocs. Yeah, definitely. And, and then the city fort itself is stout, man. It's on yeah. like the edge of this cliff and it's got huge walls and all these different fallbacks and keeps. I mean, this, yeah, this, this thing, looks really cool. The thing about Borderlanders is they basically just like live in a constant state of warfare. So these people are just like hard to the bone and Every like decision or like point of their culture is like based on the the fight against the shadow. So they're like they live in fortresses. They like all learn how to use a sword from when they're like four years old. They're all like in the army. You'll see like even tons their, of soldiers just like walking the streets or in the bar at all times. Even their architecture in the books is described as just being really utilitarian. Like there's no ornate design. Every brick is made to build the wall higher, to build yeah, the wall if, thicker. There's there's no material wasted on. If you go to a pub, it doesn't have nice. normal windows. It's got arrow slits, you know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. everything is designed to be able to kill Trollocs. And so as they're walking into the gate, Loyal says to Lan, when is the last time you've been here? So that means Loyal knows something about Lan's history with the Borderlands. And it's he's also just showing his curious nature. Yeah, oh, we'll find great. out through the course of this episode that Lan is actually kind of like a semi-famous figure. A king. Yeah. I think they do a really good job building this up. It's really cool. Hell yeah. 
So we get to the palace and we meet a bunch of guards and they all know Lan and they're like, yo, what up, bro? What's up, Dash? Welcome back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like four out of six of these guys are named actors and are very important characters. Yeah, we'll uh, get more of these guys later, uh, especially the guy with the eye patch that calls Lan a great bloody bastard. He's uh, been recast for season two and should have a much bigger role. Shout out oh. to my boy Uno. Yeah, he was recast. That's interesting. He's also no, he's not recast. Well, I mean, not recast. He's been like re-signed. Oh, okay. Um, Same actor. Great, great, good. It's interesting. He's Scottish. Yeah. Or he's at least he's a little guy. Scottish accent. <laughs> so, uh, we meet the the lord of this town. This is Lord Aguilmar Jihad. And he doesn't seem very pleased that Moraine's here. He's like real stoked that Lan's here, but he kind of gives Moraine the cold shoulder at first, which is a departure from the books. That's what I thought. I wasn't sure what was, I I haven't read it in a while, but like he seemed a little different, but we do walk in and he's basically T posing like Braze the sun. (laughs) And this guy seems a little bit all bark, no bite. Yeah, he's definitely I don't know a little more afraid of yet. I, yeah, I'm talking about this scene. In the books. But he, he turns out to be a really practical guy. Uh, he dislikes Moraine at first, but as soon as she gives him some, you know, intel, he instantly, you know, apologizes and say, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry I offended you. Uh, you're welcome here. And Well, I wouldn't say he instantly apologizes. He, like, berates her for like a minute and a half or two minutes. Like Before, he's, yeah, he's not giving her a chance to like give him the information, but as soon as he hears, as soon as he, she actually, Moraine actually gets it out and says that the Trollocs are using the ways to get behind their lines, you know, to negate the tactical advantage of Tarwin's gap, then he's like, oh shit, like I should have been listening to you. Like, I'm sorry, that was important. Well, yeah, he does do that. He he stops braiding her immediately after that. He's like, "Oh no!" Like, I apologize. I'm offended. Yeah, yeah. Well, Moraine says she says, "If you will let me finish." Yeah, he tell, exactly. Tells him to brick up the ways, but he doesn't accept it right away. He looks to his wife first, and I thought this was an interesting dynamic that's in the books, and and like that's something we'll see for from now on, or we already have, is that men and women work together and in different ways. Yeah, I think especially in the Borderlands, we see with some characters later that their their wives, some of these really important generals, their wives are just as much almost of a commander as they are. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Bashir. <laughs> well, he throws her under the bus immediately. His wife. In the show? Yeah, Agumar. He says... I don't know what my wife's been writing to you at the hour. Oh, no, tower. that's his sister, he says. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, his sister. But still a a a man and, and woman dynamic. Yeah, you can tell there's a little gripe there. He definitely distrusts the White Tower, huh? And she is. I don't think out. he distrusts them. I think he's just kind of like super proud of his like tradition of holding this gap. Like his family has been doing this like back into time of memoriam. So he's kind of just like, I don't really need your help here, man. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he like 
means to come off that aggro against Moraine. He's just right. kind of insulted that she's offering help. You're right. But then he's like, wait, I shouldn't do that. I'm being like kind of a dumbass. Yeah, she proves her military value to him. And that's how you speak this guy's language. So we cut from here and we get Pat and Fane stepping through the way gate that uh, Lord Agamar has just agreed to wall up. So he made it through before that happened. <laughs> Which means he has some sort of magical capabilities. Yeah, so like, does it though? I don't know. Well, I mean, somebody with him does then. I mean, some he had to have gotten out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, how did he, he did escape? Magic. This this makes you ask a bunch of questions. How did he escape Much and Chin, the Black Wind? How did he open the way gate? How did he open? How did he open the way gate to get in in the first place? And then how did he open it to get out? Yeah, uh, I think the implication in here is that you don't need magic to go through the ways. Okay, I I think that's fair, but I just I think that people watching this will be like, oh, that guy's a magic man, and he might be. I don't know. I mean, he definitely... He might be, but uh, I don't think this is, like, strong enough evidence to say that. Um, So, next we get uh, Moraine and the sister. It's so funny, the notes I have sister. Like, I knew that it was a sister, but I said wife. Uh, So, Moraine and Agumar's sister are talking in the women's quarters. Lady Amalisa. Thank you. Lady Amalisa. Uh, And they basically go right into it. Uh, she lights a fire, so we know that she's she's magic wielding, and uh, she says, "You know, you don't gotta be a sneaky around me." And Moraine's just like, "Where's Min?" This is a really cool piece of world world building. We see that she can channel, but that she's not an Aes Sedai, and and we learn that she went to the tower, and that she's even got a ring, but it doesn't have a color, right? Yeah, so this would indicate that uh, she went to study at the tower. That's a thing that a lot of noble women do. Even women that can't channel the power at all will, like, the families will send their daughters there just to kind of, like, establish a political relationship with the White Tower. So, Amalisa, it seems like she actually does have some skill with the power, but not enough to become a full Aes Sedai. Uh, she made it like two thirds of the way there. It seems like, like this is probably the extent of what she can do is lighting this. Yeah, that's probably about all she can do. Yeah, but she still has connections at the White Tower. So, Moraine asks her to do a little favor. She says, "Uh, I need you to send a message to the Red Aja and tell him to look out for this dude named Matt Crossan." And we get real dun 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 vibes here. It's like, oh, the, she's talking to the Red Aja again. Well, I think like she just knows they're the best for the job. Like, if she thinks there's a chance that Matt is the dragon, which like maybe there is a chance that he is, and she, it's good to keep him away. But if he is dark and a, a channeler, then they need to scoop him up. Yeah, they'll I mean, definitely is- find him. This is Marine's character to a T. She is willing to do whatever it takes. Like she doesn't have any self pride. Uh, if it means saving the world, she's willing to do it. Yeah. Uh, 
this uh, lady was also trying to get some information out of Moraine. She was like, why were you in the ways? Moraine's like, it's really none of your business. <laughs> and then That's, she grabs uh, a ring and she's like, look how you're not a sister. So shut yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> But man, so much world building, and that's it, to me that was such a natural, and, and like you get so much from imagery and you know conversation there. Um, man, I just love all these little snacks they throw in for the book readers, gobbling them up. And if you're not a book reader, watch the episodes twice because there's I mean, so much. Yeah, I don't think this is just for the book readers. It's just like harder. It's easier to pick up on if you're a book reader because you're already looking for this stuff. Yeah. Um, and Steve, you're saying watch them twice. I think the most important thing is to read these trivia yeah. snippets. And watch the cartoon Come in the things. special features. These things really like fill in the world of everything you see on screen. Yeah, I mean, is this how we're going to watch shows from now on? I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Like having all this different media to go with it and reading and stuff. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, I yeah, think, I like this a lot. I think it appeals to like a nerd like us a lot more than the average person probably. But I like that it's there for people to like look at if they're into it. HBO did this some with Game of Thrones, but hey guys, Prime's leaning into it a little more. I I'd say, and I, I'm really enjoying it. All right, so then we get this scene where the whole group, I think, basically is. Walking through the market district, it looks like, of Faldara. Giant you. We see a lot of, like, vendor booths, and there's a lot of, like, soldier-slash-guards walking around. Get a pretty good look at the uh, day-to-day life in a fortress city here. Rand, it seems like, is taking shit especially hard. He's in, like, a real bad mood. I think initially we're meant to take this as him like being heartbroken about Egwene, but on like a second watch, it definitely reads like he's struggling with whether or not he's the dragon. Yeah. And also Egwene tries to reassure him that Matt's okay or some shit. Yeah. So she doesn't know what's going on either. <clears throat> Perrin gets a, a glimpse at Pot and Fane. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed how fast Nynaeve dismissed this, but whatever. She's like, shut the fuck up. Pot and Fane's like back in the two rivers still. He died. (laughs) Well, she's convinced he's dead, which I don't know why she would be that convinced of it, of all of them, because she was like not even there the next day to like do the the head count. Yeah, I mean, if nobody dies on screen, they're not dead. She should know (laughs) that. Maybe they just like talked about it. I don't know. They all were like, yeah, Bottom Fane died. Fucking ate him, bro. Yeah, and Perrin says, lifetime ago, Beltine. It's only been like a month, month and a half. Yeah, I was actually, when I was watching the show, I was wondering what you guys think, how, how far along. I think it's like probably two months since then. Uh, we know that it was a month in between, like, what was that, episodes three and four, or four and five? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I would say maybe two weeks before that, and maybe, like, three or four days, like, after it. They weren't in Tarvalon that long? Less than a week, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd say we're probably at about two weeks. It might have been, like, only two or three days. I see. 
So, uh, where are we at? Market. And the next thing we get is men's bar. So Maureen leads them into this fine drinking establishment. It's run by this woman called Min, who we meet. She's pretty cute. I like Min, yeah. She's fun. She's got a real, like, sassy energy to her. I think she has that, like, I'm fucking over this shit bartender energy. Yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) I like her tattoos. Yeah, they are doing some cool tattoos in this show. I don't, I don't think I noticed tattoos. She has like chest tattoos, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very short hair, kind of like tomboy. Yeah, Dude, she I, definitely has a people tomboy not is tomboy a bad word to say. I shouldn't say. I don't that. think so. Okay. I don't know. Is it? Maybe she wears uh, like male presenting clothes mostly. Yeah, there you go. So Moraine just acts like she's her boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, you fucking owe the eyes to that lady. Tell us it, what you see. And Moraine looks so haggard still. Yeah, the, the wig. Is this like a different wig or is this her real hair? Maybe I don't know. It looks I think like, her makeup changed. I, yeah, they're definitely, some, they're definitely making her like haggard on purpose. Her hair is frazzled. I don't know if it's a wig or not, but her hair is frazzled and they're making her, you know, they're giving her the no makeup, makeup look. Uh, and she's supposed to look tired and she's just like, I am over these kids. <laughs> Somebody I, call their parents. I've had enough of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Yeah. I, I think you're right about her hair. It's blown out from the winds of Machin Shin. I think that's yeah, what it is. Like she hasn't brushed it in like a couple of days. Yeah. She's, will, got, she's got a Machin perm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. You got to tweet that, bro. <laughs> so let's talk about. I guess uh side note, we get Perrin like another indication that he's kind of like taking this way of the leaf thing seriously. He's talking about like being a vegetarian and everybody's like, that's fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Rand's like, no, not. <laughs> Are you telling me I can't eat fish? I thought you hated turnip curry. I wasn't sure if he was, like, trying to get them to believe in it or if he was just, like, telling them about the way of the leaf. I think he was just telling them. I don't know. I think he's, like, recruiting them. But I think he's taking it seriously if he's, like, interested enough to, like, be telling his friends about it. Like, he's pretty excited, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it also just plays into the parent's character well that he's somebody who thinks about things. Yeah. and, And these people are close to him. Like... It's so cool that they're all together and talking and stuff. Like, I I love it. Yeah, we got the most, like, interplay between our two Rivers characters since, like, probably... Episode one. Yeah, maybe episode two. They have that, like, big fight about Moraine again, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Nynaeve's just not there. True, yeah. Well, Matt's not here, I guess, in this case. True. But, yeah, let's get into these visions that men sees so men has the special ability superpower i guess you maybe you can call it where uh she can look at people and see 
kind of like visions or omens of the future around them. So when she looks at Perrin, she sees him with yellow eyes and blood running down his chin. So it doesn't seem like he's going to stick with this vegetarian thing. Well, the big brooding one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rand is holding a baby. We get a white flame and a ring of gold for the girls, which are both like Aes Sedai imagery. So I think that's what we're hitting at here. Uh, we get that all four of them are very tightly linked. We see sparks of light driving black shadow and shadow swallowing the sparks, which is like imagery that I think is supposed to be interpreted as like the the battle between the light and the dark. Yeah. And Min explains that because they are very clear and big that they are important and close to the threads of the wheel. Yeah. And we also get a reading from Moraine. Uh, I have Swan will be Moraine's downfall in the notes, but I think the, the actual thing she says is, I see the Omerlin seat in full regalia, and that will be your downfall. So I guess it should be important that to note her exact language there is. Oh, what is full regalia? Just like decked out in her like stolen like official vestments of office or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I think that's like a military term. It kind of means like dress blues basically, you know, like your full shebang. Okay. Next scene. We are back at the palace. This is the one uh, where everybody is just kind of like hanging out in a common room type thing in front of the fireplace. Talking about how they're all going to die. Yeah, this is maybe the most important scene, I think, in this in this episode. Because we I get, agree. A, yeah. get a lot of character development. Well, besides maybe the Dragon Reborn reveal. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> So, yeah, Moraine reiterates that probably whoever is not the Dragon Reborn that comes to the eye of the world is probably going to die in the crossfire between these two, like, powerful forces of nature. I think she guarantees it. She says, we're leaving at sunrise. I don't know which one of you it is, and the rest of you are going to die. I honestly (laughs) couldn't believe she told them that. It makes me like her character even more. Yeah, this is probably like the straightest uh, she's ever been with these guys here. It's shit hit the fan time though, huh? Like, Yeah, it's put up or shut up. Meet me in the club. It's about to go down. <laughs> yeah, and she, so yeah, and then she just kind of walks out. She's like, make your decision. My knee stands the whole time. Parents like, let's talk about this. What if it's Matt? Yeah, he's really on the mat train. Yeah. Well, I think everybody is just like terrified and they like don't want it to be them. Yeah, I don't want to go into the waste and die. Uh, I think the first person who says something here is Rand, who, again, mouthy boy this episode. He says, well, if we don't go, she's going to force us anyways. (laughs) Yeah, which is like probably what's going to happen if they decide not to. I mean. And I mean, he, 
is already thinking he's the dragon too. So he's kind of probably thinking about going more realistically than most of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, Nynaeve says some like, why would we do this? And behind Nynaeve's back, Egwene starts talking and says, well, we left Emmons Field to help. Why would we stop like trying to help the, our families right now? You know? Yeah. This is a great scene that shows like really what makes all these different characters tick. We get like a good understanding of like what they find important, like what they're willing to fight for, what they're afraid of. Like we, we learned a lot about our people here in this episode. This is my favorite parent scene maybe in the series. Oh, so really? Far. Oh, yeah. Big boy steps up. <laughs> he is a big dude. Huh? He makes Rand look little. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, this this devolves into like a big argument here. Uh, and we get this love triangle thing, which I think is probably hands down the most controversial part of this episode. Yeah, but I mean, like, I I actually don't think it is. I hope that like people who think it is just like continue watching the show. I don't think it's going to be like anything as bad. I don't as- think it's ever going to come up again. I think this was like the culmination of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is the season building towards this moment. Before Rand stands up, though, he says, I don't, I can't lose any more people. Yeah. And it really shows that he doesn't have anyone else other than the people in this room. Uh, I mean, Matt, of course, but he's gone. And then he has his father, Tam, who's in the two rivers, but now we know is not his father. Yeah. So these people literally are the only family he has. And then Perrin says, how fucking dare you talk that way? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think they've been hinting at this since, like, the very first episode. Kudos get- to you, Zach, because I, like, I never thought so, but, I mean, that's definitely what they're going for. They they had this, like, in the first thing, the first what? episode, like, Perrin is, like, looking at Egwene when she he, like, lingers on her before he talks to Rand about her. So, like, this is the reason why Layla is not at the women's circle ceremony for Egwene at the beginning. This is why she's not celebrating at the bar. And she's, like, back at the forge. Oh, shit. Working by herself. Because she knows that Perrin had a crush on Egwene at one point or something. So she's, like, a little pissed off and, like, not willing. Doesn't want to, like, any part of Egwene's happy special day now. Damn, I missed all of that. I got to tell you, I didn't get any of that. I mean, if you had spelled it out for me that way after the first episode, I would have thought that. I never thought about that, how she wasn't celebrating a Gwen shit. I did wonder why, but I could never think of a reason. She had a braid, right? Yeah. She did. So she like probably should have been like, in that group of women at the top of the cliff with oh, for sure. the first like five minutes of the show. Hence why she dies. Nynaeve says something real stupid here. What was that? That uh, Perrin and Rand are always fighting over Egwene. 
Yeah. That was I don't, I don't know why she said that. Yeah. I guess because she was just like freaked out by that point. Yeah, <laughs> she did the worst. <laughs> she was trying to like make it better, I think. And like, <laughs> why don't you guys just like cut it out? You're always doing this bullshit. But like uh, people make too much of this. This is just them like being 20 year old, like horny people that have big arguments and then like they're under a lot of stress. So I think this is like all that's going to be of this thing. Yeah. And Moreno also told us not to listen to much in Shin. Yeah. So a- anything you have in your mind about pairing being in love with Egwene instead of his wife is not true. And Perrin stands up and tells Rand that he is wrong. And I loved it. I fucking loved it. And we got that earlier in the episode where Perrin like tells Rand to his face, like, hey, we can't lie down here and die. And then Perrin says to him, you know, like, you need to be quiet. And then Rand laughs in his face, right? And that's when he, like, gets real serious. <laughs> I thought they might, like, shove each other a little bit here. Yeah. It was I, pretty I, tense for a second. Yeah, I thought it was going to get a little physical for sure. I think if Perrin had yellow eyes, it would have been different. But I think that <laughs> Rand was tamed by the brown eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then I need, I need to tug their brain. He's my. So then we get uh, a little tiny scene of Moraine and Land here. Uh, it seems like Moraine has, is feeling guilty about like her bond with Land, like by taking him as her warder. He's or she's kind of like depriving him of having like a family and relationships and freedom, really. And he's like, no, I like this. He's like, "Um, I signed up for this. This is my choice that I made. Like, you didn't force this on me, and you're not forcing me to stay. I really like the relationship between Lan and Moraine in this one, dude, in this adaptation. I think this is something that they've improved a lot. Yeah, and you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I think I would mention a lot that I thought there was some sort of weird sexual tension between Lan and Moraine. And really, the entire They're just like season, really close to each other. It's yeah. not sexual. They're just like very... One person almost. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're supposed to wonder at that, though. I agree. But I think that they, not at any point did they say like, or, or give like a strong hint that these people are in any way like sexual. I think this show has done a good job getting all the characters off faster. Absolutely. Like, a lot holy of the, shit, you got to wait four books for some people. Longer than that, even, for some people. Yeah. yeah. Matt is, like, very boring until, like, well, we shouldn't even talk about that. Cut this out, because now we're confirming, like, whether people live or die. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. The main characters oh, don't die. <laughs> well, we don't know that Matt is a main character because he like got left behind now. People know that the actor is in second season. Not a lot of people. I mean, I don't know. Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you follow close enough to know that. But 
We should right, make no assumption. more spoilers past this point now. <laughs> yeah, so uh then uh I like how Maureen also seems to support the like land going after you. She's like, I like that wisdom girl. You know, I like her. Out of focus too. And and like so like <laughs> behind Lan, he's not thinking about Moraine because she's out of focus. He's thinking about Nynaeve. Yes. Yes. Nynaeve, who hasn't changed her clothes in a long time. <laughs> her braid is so beautiful. So then we get this extended sequence that's all about like Lan and Nynaeve's relationship, basically. Yeah, and this was really cool. I mean, we, uh, I don't know. Can, can I say that this wasn't in the books? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like this is some great character building that the book readers, I hope want because it happens in a great way. I mean, like this, it's really nice to see that land as a human being. So. Yeah, definitely. Land is like a very well-rounded character here. I like that we get to see this uh closer look into land's culture these are malkiri people that he's hanging out with here we can tell that by the uh distinctive like head features i guess the hidori <clears throat> yeah so the men uh this guy's name is zay here is what the uh bonus feature thing said it doesn't give a name for his wife or child, so can't say about that. But you see the man here has this leather thong around his head like Landa's. That's called a Hidori. All Malkyrie men wear those. And the women have like a little red dot on their foreheads called a Kaisane. So we see uh, Zahir's wife wearing one of those. Yeah, and so Nynaeve is tracking him or following him and not sneaky, and she actually presses her face up against the glass on the door to Zahir's family's house. <laughs> Who the hell is that? There's a fucking strange woman outside, Lan. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a little bit of a clumsy edit here. It seems like Lan kind of like teleports out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went out so back. sneaky. We get a lot oh. of those in this show. I think edit. that's all that is there is just like clumsy editing. Yeah. <laughs> so Lan invites Nani and Finn to have dinner with his family, and we we see uh Zahir calls Lan Dashan. I hate when he calls me that. <laughs> he calls Nani very pretty, loud enough for her to hear. Yeah. Lan hasn't noticed. And then Lan tells a story about a Trolloc being big. So uh, it's we kind of cut to Lan and Nynaeve heading back to their quarters. And they're saying goodnight to each other. And we get this long, awkward pause where Lan and Nynaeve just kind of like stare at each other. And then he's like, goodnight. And he walks into his room. <laughs> And she walks in after him. I was not expecting this. Yeah, I like that Lan is a little bit reluctant because that's kind of 
how he is in the books. Like he's not trying to be in a relationship because he just kind of feels like he could die at any moment. Yeah, he, like he feels so like he has nothing he to offer. Like a wife. Bit locked in there at the beginning. And then we see when Nynaeve walks in and he's undressing that he's actually tried to die before. <laughs> he has scars like the whole ways down his back. Like it looks like somebody chopped his back open with multiple double axes. Like, <laughs> this guy has a ton of scars. Like two handed axes maybe into his back. <laughs> and then we get some brown chickens and brown cows. Yeah. Brown what? chicken, brown cow. Oh, I see. <laughs> I get it. She says, do you want me to go away? And then he just like throws his clothes on the bed. Like <laughs> <laughs> his swords there too. But he like turns around. I, you guys should watch this. Like I've never seen like an actor like turn so strut before. <laughs> He's just like, did you see like the angles at which my muscles are? Oh, it's yeah. crazy. I think he is like a model or something also. So he probably like knows how to pose. Yeah, this is a beautiful man. We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Ass Man Dragon here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they, we get a cut to our other relationship that we see. This is like everybody's just getting it on right now. They're like, no, they're going to die tomorrow. So they're like, yeah, we got to get it in like one last time. And I feel like I have to point this out every time a warder has sex, but Moraine knows (laughs) that Lan Lan is doing this. She's like, hey, wait a minute. But we know she can mask it if she wants to. It's just whether or not she did, we don't know. So we see Rand is practicing archery out in like a courtyard type deal. And Egwene comes out and is like, I've been waiting for you to come apologize for like two hours. Where have you been? He's like, I know you'd come out here eventually. You need me. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth. I think this also kind of points to the type of city they're in. Like, it's completely normal for him to be practicing war in the streets. Yeah. They just have these implements of war laying out. So yeah. There's, like, there's like scorpion out. bolts and all kinds of shit. Like, this is like a a battle yard or something. Like, and, I don't know. And <laughs> every single person. No, I think this is like, they have stockpiles like this kind of all over the city. Because everybody can just pick up, you know, weapons and fight. Yeah. They talk about how there's like no crime in Valdara because everybody has like bigger shit to worry about. (laughs) That's funny. That's like NRA propaganda fuel right there. (laughs) I didn't say it's because the NRA loves that. (laughs) Hey, these are swords, not (laughs) I think it's more. I mean, Robert Jordan was definitely a Second Amendment. I mean, I think it's more because of the common enemy than that everybody's armed. Oh, for sure. I think Borderlanders just, like, don't fuck around. Well, well, they're a very united people, like, because of that, you know. And also, it's hard to uh, be a criminal because you're not allowed to even, like, have a hood up or anything. Yeah. Because they're always on the lookout for fades. Oh, and so Rand says, like, she wanted him to apologize, and he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, I'm sorry. But he doesn't even know what he's apologizing for. 
<laughs> well, I think he's feeling a little uh, extra swag for reasons that we'll see later. Well, no, he says, uh, I'm sorry about like saying that about Perrin. And she says, no, you idiot. I th- I'm mad because you said that I don't believe in Matt. No, I thought you meant like he apologized for being like a really suave earlier. <laughs> no, he doesn't even say. He just says, I'm sorry. Because like he clearly is just like he has no idea what he's like saying sorry for. <laughs> yeah. So they make up and they make out. Yeah, we get breakup sex. And well, they don't bang right away. They do oh, that true, like true. later on. They have like a little conversation here at first, which is pretty cute where they both agree to like be there for each other. This is similar to the scene that Matt and Rand have earlier, like you know, while they're in Tarvalin, where we have two of these uh, two rivers people just being like, I'll always be here for you. Steve, Zach was telling me that Katie, go ahead, Zach, called the. Katie has been convinced that uh, Rand is going to be Egwene's warder for like three episodes or something now. Oh, okay. So when he was like, I'll follow you to Tarval and like every I said I needs a warder, she's like, boom, called it. I knew he was just gonna be like her warder and that's all he was gonna do. Ooh, you mean like <laughs> she said that during the episode, yeah. 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 Oops. And then like we find out that that's not well, I mean like we, <laughs> yeah, like six minutes he later. He has other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> He's busy. So we then we cut back to uh, oh, Egwene also says that if Rand is the dragon, that she will stand by with him. She's like, I'll be there with you no matter what. These two rivers, folks, so loyal. They are. So then we go back to Lan and Nynaeve, and we get Lan's full backstory basically now. This felt a little weird because like Nynaeve's like putting her clothes on or something like that, but like. It looks like at no point did the actress like, I don't know. It just doesn't look like she took her clothes off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, she's just still wearing her coat. Maybe they did it with the clothes on, dude. You know that. That's true. I don't know what Malkir do. Um, Might have been chilly. So he wakes up and like, doesn't move very much. <laughs> He's like, I'm not getting up. Are you leaving? <laughs> Why do they call you Daishan? This was nice. Yeah, so we find out that Lan uh, is a king, but he's a king with no kingdom. Because the city that he would have been king of has fallen to the blight. We kind of got some of this explanation earlier with Moraine that like, that's why he's like, Moraine, I'm with you because I don't have anything else. Right. And now we find out why. Yeah. So like basically when Lan was just a little baby, his kingdom was attacked by Trollocs and they just like murdered everybody. But before the city fell, his dad like gave him that sword and swore him to like this awesome oath to fight a war against the shadow until the last drop of Malkiri blood. And his armsmen, like uh, this guy that we met tonight, a couple of them take the baby and just like run south until they can get to Faldora in safety. And everybody else in Malkir dies and the city is destroyed. 
So cool. Sad. And then he says, Naive, yeah. don't leave. Get back in bed. <laughs> Is this where we get her little speech where she's like, I, I feel like I finally understand you. Yeah. yeah, I think that happens here too. If not like here, then the last time that they were, we had a scene with them. Right. No, it's here. She, cause she keeps it like quiet at the end where she was. Yeah, she like basically says, like, oh, I understand that you like had nothing. So that's why you swore yourself to this ass to die because you just like didn't have any family or anything else. Did you feel that was a little spelled out? Yeah. Uh, that's the third would, time we're like basically being told this. It was a yeah, little much so. for me. But, you know, it ends. It's nighttime still, the moon's out. And then we get Rand who. And about of post not clarity realizes <laughs> that yes. he is the dragon reborn. <laughs> oh my He's God. like, wait a minute. <laughs> I should go practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I can hit a bullseye now. Yeah. Earlier. I think we this is something that he's like suspected for a while. Well, yeah, they tell us that in this montage. <laughs> you can kind of see him doing it. Like they like in previous episodes. Yeah, like when he's up on the wall and he's like, are you going to do the same thing for me, Matt? Yeah, and he's like really scared about mail channeling. Him breaking down the door. fucking montage. Especially after he like definitely knows he channeled to like get that trollic off of Egwene in the ways. I think from like that point on. True, and we did get like, to see the uh, taint. I mean... <laughs> corruption. corruption corruption and we definitely i think we definitely know he channeled to bust that door down too i mean i i saw weaves when that happened did the show weaves i don't remember i just like assumed because i like knew what it was <laughs> they did in the replay yeah i'm pretty so, sure i remember that yeah we get this flashback of the Beltine Winter Night Festival where Tam is wounded and Rand is like bringing him through the woods and Tam is kind of like in and out of consciousness and having like a fever dream about when he found Rand. Which is a cool scene from the books. Uh, That happened like it would have been in the first episode if it happened like in the order that happened in the books. Yeah, like basically when he pulls in in the first episode and everybody's like, oh, Rand, something bad happened. You know, like that would have happened on the way there. Yeah. I was super jacked to get this scene. Uh, I love <laughs> this part in the books. Yeah, yeah I, like, I mean, I like, it's like a prophecy almost that he gets in the books, but it, it played really cool. I liked it. This is kind of what I like, meant. There's like a flashback sequence. Sorry, go ahead. This is kind of what, like when I said there's like homages to book readers. They give you these little things like they didn't have to do that, but it's nice. It, I think they do have to do it to like prove to the audience that like Rand is the one. Yeah, they're like, throw out your Power Rangers fucking idea. This is it. <laughs> We're telling you it's it. Fucking look at his mom. She gave birth. Look at it. Yeah, yeah, so they flash through like all the lines of evidence. So they, they they have the fever dream here. They got him breaking down the Ironwood door that 
Dana said would be impossible to break down. They both well, have uh, red hair. We both Got get him. the birthing scene here, right? Like this takes some time on screen. No, the birthing scene comes later. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. So he he goes to Dragon Mount where he's like, when him and Matt first see Dragon Mount as they're coming out of Tarvon and he's like, no, oh, that mountain looks real weirdly familiar. I remember it from somewhere. And that's where he was born. So that's why he remembers it. One of the reasons, I guess. Uh, then, of course, channeling to kill the Trolloc on the ways like a couple minutes ago. And then we get another scene that we didn't see on the ways where Machin Shin is like, you've always known you're the one, you're the dragon reborn, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't be an idiot. You're the He's like, no, I'm not. Boy. No, no. Ah, ah, ah. Stop whispering. It's important to remember, like, how much denial he's in because, like, this is terrible to be the Dragon Reborn. You don't want to be the Dragon Reborn. So he's like, there's no way, like, that wouldn't happen to me. That's true. And he gets a bullseye. Multiple. I'm really upset then, he didn't uh, shoot an arrow with another arrow. <laughs> That's true. So he heads over to to Min's bar to get. Uh, he wants to like know for sure if he's the dragon. And he and she, of course, like already knew that he was coming because she's like prescient. And he's like, tell me I'm not the dragon or born. So she goes, yeah, you're not the dragon or born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really you are. And the way she knows is by the heron marked sword. How'd you she feel was- about this? Did you like this? I thought Tam looked crazy. <laughs> but otherwise it was great. So this is the first vision that Min ever had when she was a little baby kid growing up in Tarvalin. She saw uh, Rand's adoptive father, Tam, walk by with that heron-marked sword that Rand's carrying now. And he also had the little baby, and Min had this vision of baby Rand being born on the slopes of Dragonmount. How'd you guys feel about this? It was awesome. Yeah, I loved it, was it good. dude. Yeah. Perfect. This is what we get instead of the I said I prophecy. No, this is a completely different thing. Right, but they're probably not going to do that now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Katara? I, well, they mentioned her, but... Yeah, they, they said that that happened, but I yeah, I don't know if we're going to get that. Oh, yeah, they did say that happened. That's right. I don't know if we'll see like a whole scene of that. Happening. No, probably not. I don't know. They like flashbacks apparently, but um. <laughs> so he asked. He's like, "Can you look some more?" Right. Yeah. Uh, he's like, "Do you know that I'm going to the eye of the world?" And she's like, "I wish you weren't, because it's not a good place to go. Sucks to be you." <laughs> And he asks, like, do you, do you know if I'll make it back? And she just kind of, like, doesn't answer him, I think, right? Yeah, she also says, I see three pretty girls and another thing. Yeah, that's true. Three pretty girls and, like, a, a colorful circus or something, I think she says. Interesting. 
So he's like, yeah, I guess you're probably right. Like, I figured I wasn't going to come back. And he just kind of like takes off from there, right? Yeah, he just leaves. Does he give her a fiver or like a any tip or I don't know. He just leaves. Or no, she walks uh, off. She walks off. Is that what happens? I can't remember now. I don't either. Anyhow, uh, we're back in the palace and we get uh, Egwene coming to Nynaeve's room to like check up on her, but she sees that the bed has not been slept in. She's, she's like, like naive, you rascal. And she sits on the bed too. Like she knows <laughs> she's like, you're going to come back to me. It's also daytime, right? Like we, we have like sunshine. Yeah, this is morning now. So everybody ends up in Nynaeve's room. Perrin comes in and they're like, we need to go, right? We got to do it. It's the right thing to do. But where's Rand? And then... Uh, fucking Lan walks in and he's like, "Yo, Moraine's gone too. She uh, masked the bond and took off." Well, they do like kind of a classic video edit trope where it's like you think that Rand's the one knocking on their door, but Rand's actually knocking on Moraine's door. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm the one. I'm the one. We gotta go. I'm the one that you want. Yeah." yeah. <laughs> I love the way his longbow looks on his back. Yeah. Righteous. I put, uh, I don't think I said that Rain and Rain pulled a Frodo here, like Fellowship of the Rain when Frodo. Oh, yeah, off. yeah. <laughs> Does that mean that Rain is Sam? Yes. <laughs> I love it. We find out later she can't swim. <laughs> Of course you're going by yourself and I'm coming with you. So, uh, <laughs> and then we get, um, some spoiled trees. Yeah. So Rand and Moran take off into the blight and that's where the episode ends. Gross trees. Yeah. The, the bright, the blight looks uh, pretty creepy. Yeah. I don't love how uniform it is. Uh, me neither. But it does look really creepy. Yeah. It gives it me Fire Swamp vibes from uh, Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see that. I wonder if there'll be uh, rodents of unusual size. R-U-S's? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, we didn't mention it, but uh, Lan mentions that Moraine masked his bonds so that he wouldn't be able to know where she's at. Zach said yeah. that. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. So do you think uh, everybody else is going to follow? Oh, nah, man. that's probably the end of it for them. Land's <laughs> going to follow, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no way Land's not. And I feel like he goes. Yeah. Eve won't let Land go by himself and probably wouldn't let like Rand go by himself either because she's so protective of the Two Rivers people. Yeah. Wayne probably has like a hero complex about it. I can even see Nynaeve like mustering the troops and being like, we have to go get Ram. <laughs> we can't let him on his own with the devil Moraine. Yeah. <laughs> so 
She hates Moraine. All right. Any uh, final thoughts about this episode before we break into book spoilers? Uh, <clears throat> I just want to say that it seems like from here on out, it's going to be pure like climax. Like this show basically has to end on a high note. There's, they're probably not going to have time for much of like a denouement. What's a denouement? Isn't that like the falling action? Is that what they call it? Oh, I see. In a story structure. I may be using my fancy French words. You know, wrong. It's been a while since high school English class. Uh, I mean, I like this. I think that we're going into a great action-packed episode. Like at the beginning, I mentioned that fight scene was like three minutes. I think we're going to get like fucking a lot of like fucking climax. I really hope so. I hope we get some cool fights here. I think they really need to sell Rand's ability uh, in some kind of fashion in this fight with the Dark One in order to, like, justify him being the Dragon Reborn over Nynaeve. Like, he's got he's to gotta show her up at least, right? <laughs> yeah. I think what, what's going to happen is Moraine and Rand actually got their, like, skirts uh, caught on a branch in in the in the blight and land's just going to be like, you dang it. And then they'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, you want to talk some book spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Uh, show watchers. Thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you, but we're going to talk about some book spoilers now. So if you haven't read every single wheel of time book, this is your warning to get out while you can go read more books. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know who the dragon is now so there's nothing stopping you from picking up out of the world yeah <laughs> you'll find out in like fucking an hour reading alright so book spoilers here we go uh, do you think they'll bring this actress back for more to green stuff or do you think she's just going to be like done I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little more of her um, I don't know how much we need it if they build up Galad as Rand's half brother at all, I think they will. Or Lord Luke, like she could come in with like the Slayer Lord Luke type thing. Her brother. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Her like half of her brother. Yeah. Uh, the ways there's a we talked about like does Pot and Fan channel like we doesn't really like channel really in the books, but. There, there is like a shot of him with a with a leaf thing. He's got a, a trefoil leaf in his hand. Really? So, yeah. I was kind of disappointed that Loyal said that. Like, maybe he was just keeping it from them about the leaf. Well, I think they just like didn't have a leaf, and Loyal knew that, so he was like, "We can't open it up again." So. Oh, I thought it was something that just stayed there. You're right, though. It's like a key. They, they can take them away. Like, yeah, and it would kind of make sense for the way gate closest to Tarval and to be like disabled except for channelers, you know? Yeah. Well, cool. How about that Trolloc that was all alone and like climbing on the edge of the bit abyss? That was still- yeah. I wish we would have got some more Trollocs happening there and seen Machin Chin like fuck up. Fucking some Trollocs. Up, yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, I mean, I, I did like what they did with Machin Chin since, like, in the books, it really was more of a 
you know, spooky thing that we never see too much of. I know that yeah. we do see some Trollocs Metaphysical. Type from it, I think. But yeah, I, I like that they gave it more of a more depth. Oh, that was a nasty one. <laughs> Could you hear that? Nah. So oh. Agumar is very different from the book. I think we talked about that a little bit already, so I don't know if we need to spend any more time on it, but that was pretty hard actually for me to watch. I was like, yeah. why, why is he so like ugh. I didn't like that like uh bird on his back. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Wait, you mean his shoulders? Goofy. Yeah. I, I thought it was all right. He's a super saiyan or he's Vegeta. <laughs> I think the reason that they did this was so they could set up like we're not getting the Kamon stuff and we don't see Elida or more gays. So that I think we need to see a bigger role from Amalisa to to set up this like nobles as Aes Sedai initiates and sure. Uh, like the the relationship that noble families have with the White Tower, with like building political bonds and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I definitely loved her character. What was her name again? Lady Amalisa. Lady Amalisa. Yeah, she introduced a lot of world building with a nice, crispy character, and she's a good actress. Yeah, she's a semi prominent character in the Great Hunt, I think. Yeah, at the beginning, at least, but. Basically, uh, Elida, or not Elida, Leandrin, like, tricks her into, like, finding Rand and Matt during the Trolloc raid. Can she channel in the books? No. Okay. I was going to say, I don't remember that. That was added because uh, I think they just wanted to demonstrate that political bond, like I mentioned. No. And that but. she's not strong. Right. Um. So she said, email the Red Sisters. Um, is Elida the leader of the Red Sisters? No, she's not even in the books, I think, right? She's not like a sitter or anything. Uh, no, I'm just asking because I wonder if that's how like Elida could be introduced. Yeah. With a letter. But I, I mean, I would, I'm just, I would imagine that she's going to be, that's like going to be a Leandrin thing probably. Yeah. What well, if Leandrin I mean, just like gives him the dagger? That could be like a snap. True. Um, well, we also know that Elaine's in the next season. That guy she's seen in North Harbor, everybody thinks he's a dark friend. Or a Merdral, maybe. Or a Forsaken. Yeah, I doubt uh, it's a Merdral. One thing I wanted to say about the ways was that when Nynaeve does the thing to protect them, she uses that big shield bubble. Uh-huh. And that's something we get, like, Dumai's Wells. So, like... I yeah, think, true. I think it's cool to, like, see that magic uh-huh. being used that way because it is used later in the series. Foreshadowing. Tweet, tweet. Everything's foreshadowing in this series. Isn't it fucking great? It yeah. is. It yeah. is, like... I think they, they're that's, like, probably their biggest strength in writing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, I saw you arguing with people online, Zach, and <laughs> I hope it doesn't take you down too many dark holes. But like, and there are th- like, if people have a problem with this show, they're not watching it because it is good. 
and it's giving me everything I've wanted. So I think it leans a little bit into like Marvel tone more than like I expected it to, but I'm also like not opposed to that entirely and I enjoy it. So I'm here for it. Uh, what else we got to talk about? Fan is like still looking fresh and clean. Like he would have been like a raving lunatic, like covered in shit by this point in the book. So yeah, yeah. that's an interesting change. When they find him, isn't he? Aren't they like, yeah, he's gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think they scrub him or something too. I wonder if we're going to get that. So. Me and Zach were talking. They haven't mentioned the horn of Valir at all. I know. And that's kind of how Fane gets caught is sneaking in to steal the horn. He does steal it. Well, yeah. they just catch him coming over the walls of Faldara. Yeah, I guess he's just coming for Rand, really. At that point, he probably doesn't know the horn is there. Yeah, and he hasn't had the dagger yet. I hope we get the horn. It might be. To me, I'm thinking that maybe the horn is in the same closet as the dagger and Matt makes the right choice of taking the horn. But I don't know. I'm a little confused about Matt. Yeah, (laughs) me too, man. Well, I think they have like a good opportunity to like play this off pretty smoothly if they pick the right plot line for him, you know? Like he, they can play it as he stayed behind to go after the dagger. Like Egwene kind of hinted at that. She was like, he probably went after that goddamn dagger that he stole. Yeah. I think that's exactly what he's doing. And maybe it would be interesting if Leandrin like gave it to him to like create chaos or something, you know? True. As in like a Lord of chaos or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like maybe, uh, Ishmael like tells her to do that or something. Oh man, we haven't seen him in a few episodes. Yeah, we're definitely, we got to see a Forsaken soon, right? Oh, at least one. I think both. I think we're going to see two of them. I I could see them cut. Which two do you think we're going to see? The the ones in the books. Okay. We see three in the books at the Eye of the World. Yeah, they they set up a Shamael already. Wait, is, is he the only named Forsaken? Aginor and Balsamel show up like in person, and then Rand goes to like the dream world and fights uh, Ashamael in the first book. Yeah, really? Yeah, uh-huh. he thinks it's the dark one himself. Oh, remember, he thinks he kills the dark one, and then he's like, Wait, why are you back? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, huh. Man, he thinks he kills him multiple times. So I, I could see them just like skipping over uh, Aganor and Balthamel and just like having Shamael be the one. We yeah, did I, see I, though. I think that's what's going to happen. On the pieces that Double Axe Guy was praying to, that those Forsaken are in this world. Yeah, I think it would be better if they skipped them then introduced them next season to just like then to have them show up without much discussion. Why? That's the way it happened in the books. The only one, well, no, they've talked about them before in the books before they showed up. So, like, the audience at least like knew who they were when they showed up. The only one they've name dropped in the show so far is Ishamael. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's not a ton about those two. 
but it does get set up. I, I, I think it's just going to be a Shamael. Oh, Jake, I don't know if you were here earlier. I was talking to Zach, but when you're watching Min do her visions, I think that when she lies, she drinks. Okay. She So she sees Rand with a baby, and Rand's like, whose baby is it? And Min goes, I don't know, and she drinks. I think that it's Min's baby. And then whenever she says, do any of them have a stronger aura than the others? And she's like, not in particular, and then she drinks. I'm pretty sure Rand has one that is stronger. So you don't think it's Elaine's baby? It has dark brown hair. Mm-hmm. Interesting. True. Do any of the other girls have dark brown hair? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, her hair is almost black, really. Yeah, it's well, she's Asian. Yeah. Or, yeah, Asian have spend. you seen people on the internet complaining that she's like not hot enough or like too old? Uh, they're yeah. wrong. <laughs> she's gorgeous. She's very so. tomboyish, but like, yeah, she's just made to look like that. Though I'm sure you could put her. <laughs> yeah, she's just like not dressed up. And yeah, she's, exactly. like, she's not even in does. her jeans yet. Yeah, it's like a character, man. Like people are so. Ridiculous. And also, like. We haven't seen her know. butt like at all. <laughs> like, does she have to be that hot for Rand to like fall in love with her? Like, is is he that shallow? <laughs> they also like didn't paint yes. her as that in the books right away. That's what I said too. So I just thought of something. I need to rewatch it again. I wonder if Rand touches his earlobe. I don't recall that. I'd have to watch it again to know for sure, though. Oh, would have been a nice touch. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, well, in regards to men, he's, she says, there's three beautiful women behind you. And he says, who are they? And she says, I don't know. Does she drink then? I d- that's why I, re- <laughs> I didn't get to rewatch that scene again. I do. I bet she does. I wanted to bring up, we were talking about water bonds. Is Rand... How does his water bond work with the three of them? So, like, that one Aes Sedai bonded him as a warder. So he's a warder to her. Right. But is Min his warder? Does yeah, he is bonded to Min. But So Min has the benefits of a warder bond? Yes. And what about Elaine and Avienda? Who's the warder and who's the... Who's the bonder and who's the bondee? When the three did it, because men can't channel, they t- they intertwine their energies together to link to Matt to Rand. I'm sorry, to Rand, and that that is how they gave men, or how they explain that men is able to have that connection. And so then, does does their bond go both ways, like some of the Ashaman and the Isidai? I think so. Yeah, I think he knows when men is upset and stuff. Yeah, but they can almost have like it's almost like telepathy with them with that one. I thought couple. they did that in the books. I think maybe Min's is like less than the other two get, but she is. I think Rand can feel her at least. Ooh, squai, ooh, squai. No, he can definitely feel all three of them. Well, the blight looks like not even possible to walk through. So, 
Yeah, that's what I thought too when I first saw it. But I guess it's bigger than it looks. You know, the scale was hard to see because yeah. once they're in it, you know, it, it seems looks a like it's more... just like thick brush. Like it's gonna be tough going, but I don't see why they can't walk through it. Yeah. In the books, you're not allowed to even touch anything in the whole place, or it'll murder yeah. you. Maybe we'll see a worm. That'd be cool. What are they called? Uh, Jamaris? Yeah, yeah. I think so. That would be tight. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Parent didn't have golden eyes, and that was fucking bullshit. But I'm, <laughs> I think I'm done. I think he will have full-on golden eyes, like, eventually. It's just going to, like take him like committing to his wolf powers or something it seems like yeah but i think it's annoying that it's going to happen in this last episode like everybody's gonna be like time to show you my powers it it might not happen in the last episode like it might be a season two thing matt jumps out and he's like just kidding i'm here (laughs) i I wouldn't be surprised if they do use parent to like track them somehow that would be like a cool way to show some stuff Oh, true. Foreshadowing, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, he hel- he helps the rest of the gang, like, track down Rand and Moran through the blight. Do we know for a fact that Barney Harris is not in this last episode? Uh, I guess not. But I don't, I think it's, like, 99.99% certain. I think it would be interesting if he, like, every, everything is about to go to shit, and then this boy pops out with the, with the dagger. <laughs> and he's, like... Hello. <laughs> I tricked you. It's time to roll the dice. <laughs> he was following Pot on Fane the whole time. That's why he stayed back because <laughs> he saw Pot on Fane waiting on the other side of that field that they were in the middle of. And he's got all the horses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I brought no horses. I knew I shouldn't, but I did. Want to get us out of here, Zach? Yeah, let's call it. Uh, this has been our breakdown of episode seven. Thanks for joining us. We're the Three Rivers Boys, and this has been the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. Follow us on Twitter at Three Rivers Boys. That's three spelled out, Rivers Boys. Thanks for joining us, and have a wonderful week. Only one episode left. Fuck. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Got a chump? Get a chump. Bye.